The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Very shortly we'll open our talkback line on 1-800-316-316 as we talk through some issues around race and some contrast between what they're experiencing in the United States and what we experience here in Australia. So a conversation around the issue of racism today and the thoughts that we'll share on Australia's experience of racial tensions compared to what we're seeing in recent times in the media. And there's an interesting element here as portrayed in our Australian media. We'll get some insights from the US. Our special guest today moved to the United States from Australia with her family and discovered that in the US the depth of racism has been a little different to her experience here in Australia. She's described it there as shocking. Music artist Emma Mullings and her family moved to Miami last year with a passion to bring love and unity to a city of diversity and division. Emma had no idea how timely it would be. With racial brutality like George Floyd's death sparking worldwide outrage, Emma has some unique insights, given that she is a white Australian woman and her husband, born in Brisbane, is a black Australian of Jamaican ancestry and together they have four children. Now you'll know Emma Mullings from the very popular song you'll hear on Vision, best known to Vision listeners for Skinny Roads and better known for listeners on Vision 180, our youth stream, with some other songs, and we're going to hear another one of Emma's songs a little later on as well. But apart from music, Emma Mullings is an accomplished TV presenter, a radio announcer and recording artist. She also works as an actor, a TV producer, a writer, and is a journalism graduate. Last year, Emma, her husband, and their four children relocated to Miami in the USA to plant a C3 History Makers Church. And Emma is joining us on the line from Miami today. Emma, welcome along to 2020. Thank you for having me. Emma, you moved to America last year, uh, you and your husband Terence and your four children, and no doubt everything was very rosy for a little while, but you started to notice there were some differences in the way that people were relating to you and your family. Give us a little insight here. Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, I, I was uh, somewhat prepared. I, I love news. I've, <laughs> I've always watched a lot of news and a lot of world news and, you know, worked as a journalist for a few years. So I was aware of some of the race issues in America. Um, but I guess when you're living in it and experiencing it, it's just uh, an I mean, when I say experiencing it, I'm obviously white, so <laughs> more experience, experiencing it on behalf of my family. Um, yeah, it's just different. It's just, it's just a little, a little unexpected, especially coming from Australia, where I think you just, we just value human life more, I guess. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's hard. Like it's definitely hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. 
Let's bring it down to something every day that we might be able to understand here. Say you and Terence and your children off to the shopping centre at the supermarket. Uh, you're wandering through the shopping mall. Uh, how does it feel different there than perhaps what you'd been experiencing here in Australia? Um, people are... There's like an underlying... Um, prejudice against black people so people will move away people you know won't step into the elevator they'll hold their bag tight um you know if terence is there um if it's anything to do with you know paperwork of any any kind applying for houses etc i'll go um because i'm white and it's just easier and it's quicker um there's not as many questions so it, it, it's kind of uh, the day-to-day -day things, I guess, but the contrast for us is that we obviously are Australian and we were still black and still white in Australia yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have to kind of manage things the way that we've had to kind of manage them now. Like we we very openly will, I'll just do certain things because I'm white and, you know, Terence, um, I I don't like him going for a run after dark or filling up gas, as we uh, now we call it gas petrol yeah, at yep. the petrol station um, by himself. There's things that he just can't do by himself, um, and some things that you know make me very uneasy if he's out by himself after mm -hmm. dark, just because of the track record of what happens here. Um, but yeah, there's just kind of a general um, prejudice against black people. Um, you know, even when we first moved, we moved here to plant a church. And even when we first moved here and, you know, meeting with different pastors and one pastor was telling us a story. Now he was telling it to us. He's white, but he's also Australian, lives in another part of America. Um, and obviously America is very big. So, you know, different parts of America have different reflections of this. And it's, you know, worse in some places, better in other places. But he was, uh, yeah, telling us about a church that he had sat down with and, and they had said to him, to, talking about just people of colour and black people, and they just said, I just don't think our church is ready for that, um, referring to um, a black person in their church being a pastor or being on the stage in general. Um, and I guess for us, like for Australians, and especially us who lived in Sydney, we lived in Sydney for the last 15 years, like inner city Sydney, which is super multicultural, like that's just a foreign concept to us to hear people talk like that. Uh, it's kind of like, gosh, did we just go in a time machine back 50 years? Like, <laughs> what's going on? But that is still um, how a lot of people think here in America, um, and it and it's it's very deep in the um, in the systems, I guess, in the structure, in the education system, in in the policing, and in the different areas of community. Um, is very evident. So what we're experiencing is something of a hangover that really dates right back to the civil rights movement, back to the 1960s, that never really has yeah. been completely resolved because, uh, from my understanding, in the South, in the US, uh, there's still lots and lots of churches that are very segregated. There'll be black congregations and there'll be white congregations, but not as many that are mixed. And in Australia, we might assume that everybody's going to mix nicely, but uh, but it's not necessarily the case. Is that what you've experienced there too? 
Yeah, definitely. Sunday is, in America, Sunday is the most segregated day. (laughs) And many people will will say that. And I think what I fully didn't understand, I think what Australians probably would find hard to understand is that you can't really understand America if you don't understand its original sin, which was slavery, and how long that went on, and the depth of it, the depravity of it, uh, how it took a civil war to end it. And now the residue it has left in the culture of how people see each other. Um, and that residue that is left is still very fresh. And I do know it's hard here. We've spoken to um, many black people and white people about this topic, just trying to educate ourselves. Um, but many, many black people do find it hard to sit under a white pastor. It's very, it's very fresh. Slavery is very fresh. I mean, even in the 70s here, you know, people still, black people still weren't allowed to swim in the, in the public pools. Um, and so it's, it's, it's the parents of the, the generation now that have experienced this. Um, and it's still very, you know, it's still very fresh because the prejudice is still very much evident. And this is how that, you know, their everyday lives. We, um, we actually had, um, we were in, a, in our attempt to bring unity to this um, conversation, our last team night, we haven't launched our church yet, but we've been having team nights, launch nights. Um, and we have a, a white police officer in our launch team. And we have, um, like, obviously, we are, it's a very multicultural launch team, lots of Hispanics, lots of blacks, whites, kind of everyone. But we had um, the white police officer share, and we also had um, a black woman share. And she she just shared, it, was, uh, it, just, it just really hit me. She shared, of, I guess, her, when she found out she was having a boy, she, she just has a little two-year-old, and... When they said it was a boy, because it is harder, like black men are treated, you know, it, it is harder for them than black women. And she said, oh, she just kind of had to catch her breath when the doctor said you're having a boy because she knew what that meant. Like she knew that meant that she would be praying hard for that little boy to be safe in this country as a black man in America. Um, and and right now, like she said, as she shared, she said, you know, right now he's really cute. And when does he go from being cute to being a threat to society? Because that's kind of um, the general consensus of how black men are viewed in America. So, um, yeah, she really brought some personal um, insight. And I think it, it helped a lot of people understand. And then we were able to hear from a white police officer. And she was so open and allowed everyone to ask her all kinds of questions. And I think that really that conversation just really helps people um, in the journey as they kind of navigate this. No doubt there's a beautiful opportunity within the safe confines of a Christian group meeting at home uh, when those sorts of questions come up and, and you've got people who are able to respond and share their heart in that way and knowing that there's not going to be the same sort of condemnation that you might get in a non-Christian group, which are simply shaped by the culture uh, over that uh, 50-odd years since the uh, civil rights movement. Hey, Emma, just let me ask you here, because you're there to plant a church in the US, uh, in Florida, and uh, Terence, who's got that Jamaican heritage, uh, you're white, he's black, but what is it like when people discover that you've both got an Aussie accent? Does that make? What does that do? Because uh, I know Americans love the Australian accent. Uh, what do you? What have you found with you know the, the the sort of confusion that no doubt comes when you and Terence are in the same room together? 
Look, I have to be honest, I am a bit cheeky with it because here the thing is, when you come to America, people categorize you by the amount of pigment in your skin. Every form, if you're filling out a job application, even when if you take your kid to the doctor, they ask you, is, is your child black, white, Hispanic, other? And I always click, I always put other and <laughs> and I refuse to say if they're black or the, and I all, in fact, the, the, the receptionist at the doctor's surgery got very frustrated with me with my our little boy Kingston. He's, um, he was seven months when we moved and I took him to the doctor for the first time and she's, I just had left it blank because I, I was kind of not realizing that how important this is. Like they won't let you fill out a form without stating if you're black or white. And so I, um, she said, you know, is he black or is he white? And I said, oh, he's Australian. And <laughs> she's like, well, is he black? Is he black or is he white? And I'm like, he's Australian. And she's like, I've never been to Australia. Are Australians black or white? And I said, well, we're both. So I was, yeah. <laughs> I was being very cheeky there. But I'm like, I'm not going to let you put my son in a box. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, people, people say to us, oh, so where are you from? And we're like Australia. And then they say, oh, but where were you guys born? And we're like. Australia. Um, we were both born, like, Terence was born in Brisbane, I was born in Ipswich. Um, so, yeah, we, we are a little bit cheeky like that. We just, we just like to give people something else to think about. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe not everyone needs to be categorized by their appearance. <laughs> just a <Wow>. thought. <laughs> hey, Emma, there is going to be a, a sort of edgy uh, seriousness to our conversation, but I do want to feature a couple of your songs since we've got you here on the radio live. And uh, it's not just singing that you're known for in Australia because you were also a regular on our Australian TV screens presenting the What's New, Where You See It First uh, uh, ads. Uh, we, they've been screened nationally. And so no doubt uh, your face will be well known in a lot of uh, people listening to our conversation today. You're also, uh, you've done some acting and you played Kristen in the TV series Red Fern Now, Series 2. So have you, have you shelved your acting uh, aspirations for planting the church? Uh, give a little, a little insight <laughs> here into your life as it's changing because you've got a lot of, lot of different strings to your bow. Yeah, so I love working in media. Um, I have to be honest, I really miss it. I haven't done much since we've moved here. And it's actually purely been because we've got four kids and I just really had to focus on just nurturing them as they adjust to a new country. Um, just, just really being there, really present in the transition for them. But I am hoping to be able to, um, you know, do still continue to work in media down the track um, but I think these next few years, my time between the church, planting the church and the kids, my time is very, uh, very full. Um, but I'm hoping down the track to still be able to, you know, dabble in media. It's something that I love. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, Emma Mullings is our guest. And let's have a listen to the song you'll likely, as a listener, be most familiar with. It's been around for a few years now, but Emma's debut single, Skinny Roads, went straight to number one on the iTunes inspirational charts on the day of release and also spent three weeks at number one on the TCM charts. Let's have a little listen to Emma Mullings, who is our guest this hour. And I do want to open our talkback lines. Get ready. You'd like to be contributing to our conversation. We'll open our talkback lines on 1-800-316-316. But let's have a listen to Emma Mullings. This is Skinny Roads.
Skinny Rhodes, Emma Mullings, who is our guest this hour on 2020, and a little more on that single, which you will have heard played widely on Vision Radio. Been out for a few years now. In its first week of distribution to Australian radio, Skinny Rhodes debuted on the TCM chart at number 18, the highest ever for an Australian artist, becoming one of the most played Christian songs on Australian Christian radio that week. Skinny Rhodes, the single, remained in the top 30, clocking up an impressive 28 weeks. The Skinny Rhodes video also had some regular airplay on MTV Australia. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020.
on Vision Christian Radio. Christian music artist Emma Mullings is our guest. Emma and her husband Terence and their four children relocated to Miami in the USA last year to plant a C3 History Makers Church and that process is continuing and no doubt, Emma, the idea of planting a church at this time and coronavirus and no doubt there's social distancing issues and you haven't been able to meet in a building, uh, that's had its own effect on the way you've been planting the church too. That's been challenging, no doubt. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, we've, yeah, we have, we've been in lockdown for close to four months now. Um, they did lift it slightly and then, I mean, we're in South Florida, so we just like to win at things, I think. We had 3,000 new cases yesterday um, and they've closed beaches again. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's not doing too well here. Um, we haven't been able to meet in person. We've kind of adjusted everything to Zoom um, and there's now, you know, a, a crashing economy pending civil war. What a time to plant a church, hey? <laughs> What a time to plant a church, and I imagine that you and Terence, uh, no doubt a, a, a few minutes on your knees uh, asking why I'm here and uh, what was your timing, God, but there is a certain sense in which you do feel that sense of call from God to be there in this time. Uh, how have you grappled with that whole notion that, you know, what are we doing here in a time like this, perhaps the worst time ever? Yeah, do you know what? I feel... I mean, when we planted, when we came, it was something that God had been speaking to us about for so long. It kind of got to the point where I felt like if we don't go, we're being disobedient to what he's asked us to do. So I had a, both of us had a real strong conviction that this is what we were meant to do. And I mean, now that we're in the middle of it and all this has happened, I just think, well, you know, God knew, God knew this was all happening. And, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think it's any coincidence that I am white and Terrence is black. And um, one of the things that, that God actually spoke to us about when it came to the church, this was years ago, was the phrase unity in diversity, um, which I just, you know, which I thought was nice. And <laughs> I'd always visioned it, you know, on the walls, one of the walls of the church building when we got one. But but now, now that this is playing out, I I can see. Okay, God knew this was ha- this. God knew this was coming, and and none of this is a surprise to him. So I know he's got us. Like it's definitely challenging, very challenging. But I know that we are here for such a time as this. And um, yeah, so we're just going to keep moving forward, one step in front of the other. I guess. We're talking primarily about some race issues today and I'm asking listeners, Emma, to respond to a poll that I've got running on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question I'm asking today for a little bit of real-time insight that's coming from listeners listening all around Australia, is racism as bad in Australia as we are seeing in the US media reports? And let me give you an update. Uh, 15% of those who've responded to the poll so far are saying, yes, racism is as bad in Australia. But that means that 85% are saying, no, it's not as bad as in Australia. Let me just reflect a comment or two from listeners who've responded to that poll. Adam says, definitely not. I just wish immigrants would integrate more with our culture like in earlier times, which is really anything goes as far as race. We are such a wonderful mixing pot. And then Carolyn says, no, 
But the hurts are still there and just need a group like BLM, Black Lives Matter, to stir them up. There are a lot of us Aboriginal Christians who have forgiven and are living in peace with our white Australians within Australian Australia as one nation. Uh, there's a couple of uh, good insights there. What are your thoughts for, for some of those, uh, those sorts of uh, uh, elements that our listeners are thinking about at this moment? Yeah, look, I mean, it's layered. I think here in America that what makes it so different is that, you know, I think in Australia you're not going to get shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and that that's just a big element. I mean, there's a lot of guns here in America. People use them. They're very passionate about their right to bear arms. Um, and genuine. there's a genuine safety concern for black people in general. Um, and I think in Australia, you just don't have that extreme, um, you know, Terence, I mean, look, Terence is not Indigenous Australian. Um, so I think that brings another element to it. But I mean, in Australia, like it was never a second thought about, you know, going for a run at night or, you know, going to put petrol in the car at night. But whereas that, that is definitely a second thought here. Um, just for his safety, because he is a black man running and people, um, you know, most people do have their weapons, their guns, and they'll, if they feel threatened, they'll just shoot you, even if you are going for a run, um, which we've seen. I, I know um, some of our, our cases have made it to news there, but the the high-profile um, murders of black Americans um, by police is, has been a weekly thing here, which is what has brought on all the rights. And I think just one or two kind of made Australian news. So there's that element as well that you, Australians probably don't realise that that's happening each week here at the moment. Um, so tensions are very high. The Black Lives Matter movement, it's caused all sorts of ructions in the US people. And of course, that's overflowed here in Australia. Uh, what are your thoughts on on how things are developing around Black Lives Matter and uh, the real divisions that are seen virtually in every state across the country? Yeah, I think it's funny, you know. If you'd asked me a year ago, I would have had a very different answer. <laughs> Honestly, um, if you'd asked me a year ago as an Australian living in Australia, I would have said, I probably would have said, but, you know, all lives matter. Um, but now after living in America and just seeing how black people are treated um, and how horrendous it is, I, I totally understand. It's kind of like, you know, I have four children um, and if if one of them, say my daughter Hosanna, if Hosanna is being bullied terribly, um, I'm going to put my attention and my focus on her. It doesn't mean that my other three kids don't matter or I don't value them or they're not loved. It's just that she's the one being bullied so I need to focus on her um, so I completely understand the concept of it and uh, I, I personally uh, think that it's much needed. When we're talking about Black Lives Matter those horrendous scenes that we saw across our TV screens that really uh, went all around the world George Floyd uh, a black man and uh, under the knee of a white police officer this is the sort of image that is causing all sorts of tensions in the U.S. to flare. Give us some insight here into how black men feel 
when they see that image of George Floyd with the knee on his neck. Uh, what's what's the uh, what's been your story and Terence's story when it comes to those images? Yeah, I think um, I think those images affect black people and black men much deeper than it affects us, um, us being white people. Um, because when, like, for example, when Terence sees that, like he sees himself, that could be him. Or they see themselves, they see their brother, they see their son, they see their father. Um, it's personal for them. Like that could be them. And because of uh, how, you know, their experiences here and how they've grown up, they, they feel like they could have been, you know, a, a few minutes away from that at any time because they do feel the discrimination um, so consistently and I guess the, the injustice so consistently. So I think, um, I think it's traumatising for them, to be perfectly honest, on, on, a, on a really deep level. I think... Um, you know, our, the only family we have here um, are, are black people. And so I've had, you know, a lot of conversations with them over the last few months um, as this has all come to light in saying that uh, I know George Floyd, his murder made um, headlines in Australia, but we have actually, as I mentioned earlier, we actually have had um, a situation the same, <laughs> just different people every single week here in America. So it's very prevalent. It's on all our social media. It's on all our news stories, um, which probably gives Australians a little more insight into why there's, you know, people have, have been rioting and responding the way that they have been. Um, but I, I think, I think it's, tra- I honestly think it's traumatizing. I think even when I see, even when I see that, I mean, there have been others since then that I just haven't been able to watch the video. I've read the news articles. I've read the transcripts of what transpired, um, but I haven't been able to watch the videos because for me, it's like, well, that could be my husband or that could be one of my two sons at any time. And, um, yeah, I've just had to. I've just had to just allow myself to process that with God. <laughs> wow. Um, because you can, you can get a lot of anxiety. You can get a lot of fear. Um, and you just have to kind of, yeah, you have to let God take you through that process and process that with Him at the center of it. Um, otherwise, it can be overwhelming. Emma, let's take some calls. Listeners who want to have their say and uh, contribute to our conversation. Carissa is on the line from Perth in WA. Hi, Carissa. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually an American living in Australia. I've been here for seven years. My husband is an Aussie. Wow. And um, I just want to thank Emma. It's really interesting to hear an Australian perspective living in America. Um, So much of what you're saying resonates with me and so much of it is shocking for me to hear um and i have to say i'm an hispanic so my my um ethnicity is uh my grandparents are from mexico i understand when emma was talking about having to fill out forms and list what you are um she did mention about them constantly asking for your color on forms which i was like actually that's not color it's ethnicity however um, it can be just as jarring. It, it's still asking to put you in a category that you may not feel that you need to be um, placed in. And I, I really, I think it's great that Emma says, you know what, we're going to be cheeky about this. We're not going to put anything. We're going to put other for the category. And I said, go for it. That's great. Um, but I have to say, <laughs> coming to Australia, I was actually asked for my skin color when I had to apply for a driver's license. And that 
was shocking. I asked my husband, I was like, what color am I? I don't know. I just, I've always said, oh, I'm brown, I'm Mexican, I'm brown, you know. But I went to the driver's, whatever you call it, the driver department, and I had to ask the clerk, I said, um, what color am I? I literally had to ask her. I don't know what to put down here. And I didn't see it as anything racial. I just thought it was something very inappropriate and shocking. But I thought, you know what? That's not inappropriate here. They're just trying to get a description of me for my driver's license. Fair enough. But when all these racial tensions are sky high and you have all this um, just horrific activity, both with um, blacks getting killed by white cops, and then you've got the rioters killing other people, including blacks. And then you've got Black Lives Matter, which I think could be a great movement, except that a huge portion of that is getting lost in. What about when blacks are killed by other blacks? Do those Black Lives Matter? Because I don't see many people fighting for that. And if they are, it certainly isn't being shown on the media. Yeah. Carissa, and you I'm made some great points there. Let's get a response from uh, Emma. Emma, what are your thoughts for Carissa and the things she's sharing? Yeah, oh gosh, I, I totally hear you. That's, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how, what, just what is our normal? We just, you know, that's our normal being asked. It's, I don't, I don't recall being asked that in Australia, but I, um, but yeah, you probably would, I guess, when, when you apply for your driver's license. Um, it's just been so long since I did it. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Well, yes, that's, no, it's think, it's very interesting really because when we are filling out forms, uh, we have perhaps different motives in asking uh, for a skin colour. And uh, as Carissa says, uh, the motive in Australia might be just uh, simply to ask the skin colour because it's a it's an uh, it's an uh, an identity uh, because uh, because of the the way that uh, people are requesting that you just. The, the look that you have, what colour complexion you might have. But, but when it's a racial profiling type of motive, that becomes very different. Hey, we've got lots of calls mm. to get through. Carissa, thank you so much for your call. Uh, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Bill in Goulburn in New South Wales. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Oh, hi, Neil. Hi, Emma. Look, Neil, I think um, racism is pretty bad in Australia. Fortunately, we don't have the guns that the United States has to to make our feelings felt. But and I think also it's difficult for a white Australian to comment on whether there's racism in Australia because we don't experience the racism. A good thought, Bill. What are your thoughts, Emma, for Bill? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think it's hard to to understand if you haven't seen it for firsthand, experienced it firsthand, or, or really sat down to try and, and find out what what these people's experiences have been. Okay, Bill, thank you so much for your call. Let's get through a few calls. A bunch of people waiting patiently. Let's hear from Joseph in Blacktown in Sydney. Hi, Joseph. Welcome. Oh, hi. Thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you, Joseph. What are your thoughts? Oh, this is a really um, uh, tricky uh, uh, debate. We have to be very careful. Uh, emotions run high. We have to, uh, especially as Christians, maintain loving hearts uh, in this whole debate. But um, with the whole Black Lives Matter campaign, um, one of the previous um, commentators uh, touched on something about how 
there's there's a massive amount of, of young African-American males being killed by other young African-American males. I think 95% of black deaths in America are caused by other um, black African-Americans killing themselves, each other. What we need to be talking about, if we're really serious about, about them, is what we can do about the, the father absentee, absenteeism in their families. 77% of African-American families are just single mother families. We need to be asking why these young men are committing so much serious crime and, and then revisiting jail with other more serious crime. We need to be talking about why they're not finishing uh, school and being educated so that they can have the opportunities to go ahead. These are some things that we really need to be talking about um, rather than knee-jerk reactions uh, and getting involved in a campaign that is just demonizing all police. There are some bad apples and they need to be weeded out and better trained, but we need strong law and order for society to run well. But these are real issues we need to need to be talking about. And, and the question I want to finish with is, how can America be such a racist nation when they voted for an African-American president for, for eight years and they're only 13% of the population? Joseph, a good thought there. Uh, Emma, your response for Joseph? Yeah, I mean, he covered a lot there. Um, I think with the black-on-black crime, um, the, the issue is that, I mean, they are punished when that happens with the... No one's arguing that that's not happening. It's more that um, that the crime where black people are murdered by white men and police officers, that they aren't punished. I think that's more the issue. Um, and, yeah, I think it's kind of like saying, you know, cancer kills a lot of people, but we need to focus on AIDS. I, I think just in this moment in time, that particular issue of, of racism um, has come to the surface and if we can just focus on that and, and I guess kind of clear out the infection, <laughs> like if you want to bring healing to something uh, and it's been there for a long time, like systematic racism in America, you kind of need to clear, clear out the infection and as it comes to the surface, it's a bit messy and it's, you know, it's a, it's uncomfortable and it's yuck, but we've just got to clear out the infection and, and really deal with the with the issue that's risen to the surface right now. Joseph, you made some absolutely great points uh, bringing to the surface some of those issues, underlying issues that need to be addressed. Thank you so much for your call today. Let's take one more call. Richard is on the line from Alstonville in New South Wales. Hi, Richard. Welcome. Uh, G'day, guys. Richard, what are your thoughts? Um, I just wanted to sort of um, shed light and... On, on, on the fact of, you know, you, it, it, it would be very hard in America at the moment um, if you're black or white, in, in a way, and if you're a police officer or if you're generally African-American, because of the, the media is always pointing, oh, we got this whole thing about, um, you know, Marxism in one side, of, one side of the debate, and then, or if you're a police officer, or you are just this way, you know, you're violent or something. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it's hard for an African-American person to have a voice when, when there's all these other voices uh, drowning, out, drowning out the fact that this is your race and there's nothing wrong with the way you are. Um, when you look at the Bible, and the Bible says God accepts all people for who they are, and that message is, is a message that needs to be paramount above all, every other message. 
Richard, you are making some uh, fabulous points here, but let me ask Emma if you can reflect here, because you're a journalism graduate and no doubt you're looking at American media. I wonder whether you can see whether the media, I mean, because, you know, and uh, as one of the uh, callers uh, mentioned, you know, the whole uh, Marxist uh, focus that comes with the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and the way things are reported along the political ideological lines, uh, it's confusing because no doubt there are American media outlets who are promoting different sides of a debate here. Uh, What are your perceptions of the media and the portrayal of of the racist issues in the US? So here in America, media is laced with politics um, and it's sad. It it is actually sad. I think the media has a lot to answer for um, because they kind of, yeah, it it becomes such a a divisive thing and it it does become all about politics um, much more than, than media crosses into politics in Australia. I know it does in Australia, but it's a lot more extreme here. Um, and it's it's unfortunate because you're not really getting, you know, the real story. But look, media is media. I mean, I've worked in media for many years in Australia, and, I mean, I remember my first day working in a newsroom. Uh, they said never get the, let the facts get in the way of a story. So <laughs> um, I, I think media, unfortunately, does have a lot to answer for all over the world, um, and I don't think media is really helping with this. The reason that some of this stuff has come to the surface is um, because of social media. It's actually because of people on their phones and having, you know, videos and camera phones much more accessible and being able to live stream things. That's actually why a lot of this stuff has, has come to, to the surface. Um, this has been obviously going on, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but this this has been going on for years and years in America. It's just that um, people have started filming it and uploading it themselves. Um so yeah, yeah. Okay. The, right. the, med- the the media can be used for for good and for bad. So that's well, why we need more Christians in media using it for good. <laughs> absolutely. And Richard, thank you so much for your insight. And as you say, Emma, it's media and it's social media. And uh, as you are reflecting, uh, the idea that there's any one particular journalist or reporting style in the news, uh, it's actually a a big movement that's happening that's created the uh, hysteria around uh, the issues of Black Lives Matter. Hey, I want to draw a line under talking a lot about racism for a few minutes. Well, uh, Well, for the end of our conversation here, because I do want to talk about your music a little more, because we heard your skinny. Rhodes song about 30 minutes ago and I do want to play another one of your songs because uh, you've been uh, prominent when it comes to your music. We are going to hear a song called Dream Again and I often will, you know, when when we talk about music, we want to hear some sort of backstory or whatever and Skinny Rhodes had some meaning for you. What about Dream Again? And this is one of the songs that we feature particularly on Vision 180, our youth stream. But uh, give us a little insight into Dream Again. Uh, so Dream Again was written um, about just that, dreaming again. I, there was a period in time where I didn't write a song, didn't sing for four years, and God really revived that gift within me. Um, and that's where Skinny Roads, the EP, came from after that. 
Um, so, so that whole process and walking that journey, um, dream again, really reflects that. Just a dream. And I think everyone has a dream in their heart that has died at one point. And just God breathing his life, giving breath into that and dreaming again. And when I started to write and sing again and have continued to ever since. So, yeah, that's what the song's about. Well, let's have a listen to it. This is Emma Mullings' Dream Again. Emma Mullings, Dream Again. And down to just the last couple of minutes of our conversation. It's been a wonderful conversation with you, Emma. But let me not talk racism for a few moments. Uh, let's talk about you and your music. Uh, great song, Dream Again. We listened into Skinny Roads just a short while back. What have you got in the pipeline? Any new uh, artist material that you've been working with? Well, actually, I ha- you know, I ha- didn't write much this year at all up until a few weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, I have started writing again. And actually, I got back into the studio yesterday, which was so nice. 
um, to record this track that um, that I've been writing actually with my husband Terence, kind of speaking about what's happening right now in the world. Um, so yeah, there will be some new music coming, which I'm very excited about. So some inspiration there. Uh, you were back in the studio, as I understand it, just yesterday. And uh, do you wait for a wave of inspiration to come before you can work and achieve some good things? You know, it's been such a funny season here because we've been, you know, on lockdown. We've had curfews, which is kind of different to lockdown to the riots where, you know, you're not allowed to leave your house. Um We've been home homeschooling, and look, I am not a home. I do not have that gift. Uh, we've been homeschooling for four months, so it's been challenging to kind of get any kind of creative juices flowing. But uh, I, I just last week, yeah, I, I've just forced myself to, and and it's funny, it was kind of bubbling away. I just needed some kind of outlet. So yeah, we we were able to put a, a really nice tune down yesterday. I'm really excited about it. Well, I think everyone who is a mother of four is going to understand more deeply what you say when you talk about, uh, you know, just getting back to uh, having some time of inspiration. But you are working with some new material and no doubt there'll be listeners who might like to connect with you a little more closely. And let me give the website that you can connect to Emma Mullings. Emma's website, emmamullings.com. That's emmamullings.com. Get some more insights into Emma's background. We didn't really even get to talk about some of your uh, your story insofar as the strength of your faith, but we know that you're there in Florida with your husband, Terence, and your four children and uh, planting a church, the C3 History Makers Church in Miami in Florida. But Emma, just wonderful getting your insights today. I want to thank you so much for being part of 2020. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.